before we begin, Bud and Krista are now uh, grandparents, and Mason is an uncle of Easton Michael Rawls. Is that right? He was born Friday, August the 3rd. I was trying to get her to hold off to the 18th, which was my birthday, but it wasn't happening. Uh, eight pounds, 15 ounces, eight and some inches. <laughs> and everybody's doing well. So congratulations to them. And I know she was in labor for a while and I kept texting, me and Aaron was texting Krista trying to find out. She said, nothing yet, nothing yet, and then it finally came. So I know they're glad, and I know uh, Mackenzie and Mason are excited to be parents. Man, we got babies everywhere, don't we? And more to come. So what a blessing it is here at Fountainhead to be a part of watching these kids be born and, and helping them raise up. I, I, I see some faces in the crowd that I hadn't seen in a while, and I'm so glad that you're here. If you're a guest, we are so glad that you are here and, and thankful for you to be a part of this family and, and the things that we have going on. One more thing, and then we'll, we'll get into the lesson. For, for the months of June and July have been pretty busy for me personally. And I, I, want to, uh, I want to give three thank yous. First of all, to the Lord, I've, spoke, I've been able to uh, speak at gospel meetings. I've been able to speak at VBSs. I've been able to speak at uh, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, at different congregations. And it really has been a humbling experience for me. And I want to just thank the Lord. I never thought for one minute that I would be able to do something like that. And it just goes to show that God can use anybody. If he can use me, he can use anybody. And I want to thank him for that. I also, secondly, want to thank the elders for allowing me to do it. It has been a true blessing to me to see people affected by the things that I've spoken on and, and to hear such good feedback and thirdly, I want to thank every single one of you, uh, brothers and sisters, because you guys, you guys have been there with me from the beginning. The good lessons, the bad lessons, the long ones, the terrible jokes, all of the stuff, you guys, and I'm serious. You guys have been there with me through it all, and I appreciate that. One of the things that, that, that excited me the most of all of this was I see on Facebook some of the speakers that are coming, and, and as they come, I, I read some of the comments and what they would say about us as a congregation. What a loving congregation. What a great group of people. And, you know, it was, that was just encouraging to me to see these people coming from outside, coming here and seeing us and making those type of statements. They didn't have to make those statements. They could have just said nothing, but they did. They spoke about how friendly we were and how, how it felt when they come in here. And, brethren, I'm going to tell you something. That means a lot. 
Let's keep on doing what we're doing. Stay fired up. Stay excited about the word. Don't get discouraged. And that's exactly what I want to talk about. It leads right into my lesson. I apologize for crying. I was trying not to, but I did anyway. And I do it because I love you and I appreciate all of you so very much. We are continuing our lessons through 1 John. And this morning I want to talk, and the title of my lesson is Motivation. And I want to start out with a story that some of you may have heard of. Some of you may have heard this story before, but just listen to it and, and, and watch what happens as we get into this lesson. A gentleman was walking through an elephant camp, and he spotted that there were elephants that weren't kept in cages or they weren't held by chains. All of the elephants were held by a small piece of rope and it was attached to one of their legs. As the man gazed upon the elephants, he was completely confused as to why the elephants didn't use their strength to break the rope and escape. They could easily have done so, but instead they didn't try at all. Curious and wanting to know the answer why, he asked the trainer nearby why the elephants were just standing there and they never tried to escape. The trainer replied, when they are very young and much smaller, we use the same size rope to tie them and at that age... It's enough to hold them. As they grew up, they are conditioned to believe they cannot break away. They believe the rope can still hold them, so they never try to break free. The reason that these elephants weren't breaking free and escaping from the camp was that over time, they adopted the belief that it wasn't possible. Now, what's the moral of the story? No matter how much the world tries to hold us back, always continue with the belief that what we want to achieve is possible. Believing we can become successful is the most important step in actually achieving it. What a great thought, right? The world has brought this story to encourage us. What about this one? Only I can change my life. No one can do it for me. Isn't that true? Only I can change my life. Nobody can do it for me. If I want to live differently, if I want to do things the right way, I'm the one that has to make the decision. Now, what about this one? Failure will never overtake me if my determination to succeed is strong enough. That's pretty good, isn't it? Failure will never overtake me if my determination to succeed is strong enough. What about this one? It always seems impossible until what? It's done. You ever had that comment? I don't know if we can do it. I don't know if it can get done. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think that it's possible. And then it gets done. And what do you say? I couldn't believe we did it, right? <laughs> you never want to admit that you actually accomplished it. And I want to kind of launch off into the lesson with this thought. You can't cross the sea merely by standing and doing what? 
staring at the water. I'm not going to get across that sea if all I do is just stand and look at the water. Why am I bringing these things up? Why am I trying to get us to focus on these motivational, worldly thoughts? Because while they're good, while they encourage us, while they make us think, I got something way better than that. I got something that's way more motivational than that. And it comes right through these pages. The Word of God. You want to talk about being motivated? You want to talk about something that should make you move mountains? You want to talk about something that should change your life and the way you live and the way you talk to people and the way you uh, act around people? It comes from this word right here. I want you to think about this. These stories and these quotes are used to make us think. And they do. You can ponder on those. They also are used to inspire us. They motivate us when we become down. They motivate us when we become out. They motivate us when we're in that funk, you know, and you just can't get out of it. They put that fight back in us. That fight to keep going. You know, that fight to keep pushing. That's exactly what we get in the lesson today. Some motivating thoughts, some reminders for the brethren then and for us today to keep with us as we strive to continue to fight the good fight. If you will, look at uh, 1 John chapter 2, and I want to look at verses 12 through 14, and then we'll walk through them. <clears throat> Excuse me. First John chapter 2, verse 12, the Bible says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Some quick thoughts as we begin. Three points and then the lesson will be yours. The first thing to consider, and, and, and as I was studying this, there's a lot of talk back and forth on this point. But here is the reality. You see, as John starts off in verse 12, he says, little children. And he uses that a lot in the context of 1 John, talking about all the brethren, all of the uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he gets a little bit more specific. In verse th 13, he says, uh, I write to you fathers. And then uh, he says, I write to you young men. And then again, he says, I write to you little children. I write to you fathers. And I've written to you young men. Here's the point. Above anything else, above any argument, this is written for babes in Christ. This is written for maturing Christians in Christ. This is written for the mature in Christ. 
It doesn't matter where you're at in the spectrum of Christianity, whether you've been a Christian for two months or you've been a Christian for 45 years, this message is still the same. And if you want to be motivated, you want to do what you're supposed to do, these truths have to be in your life. They have to be recognized and they have to be realized all the time. And you, brother and sister, will be successful. What am I talking about? What am I talking about? John, through inspiration, is relaying a message that we all need to have at the front of our minds as we face the obstacles of life. What does he want to motivate? I said it earlier, and I'm going to say it again. He wants to motivate the fight within us. You know what I'm talking about? You know that fight that that Paul told Timothy about in 1 Timothy 6 verse 12? To fight the good fight of faith and to lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. But how? But how does he motivate us to fight this good fight? He motivates us through the confidence, now listen to me, he motivates us through the confidence of victory that we have as a Christian. <laughs> Y'all know this verse, don't you? 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. As a child of God, you are a winner, not a loser. Don't ever forget that. You are a winner. You've won. Jesus Christ is your Savior. Don't lose hold of that thought. You see, Paul says, lay hold on eternal life. If you want it, you have it. But that's on you. So many times in our lives, what do we do? We lose that fight. We lose it. We become numb because the world comes in and it sucks us in and it makes us think things about brothers and sisters. It starts making us think negative thoughts about those ones who love us, those ones who care for us. What does the world do? What does Satan try to do? He tries to discourage you. He tries to get you to believe that what you're doing ain't worth it. Don't fall into the trap. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And before we get to the points, I want us to think about something else. If you'll notice, and I said it just a minute ago, look at verse 12. At the beginning of it, it says, I write to you, little children. The second, in verse 13, he says, I write to you, fathers. And and right after that, he says, I write to you, young men. And I write to you, little children. But then in verse 14, he changes it up and he says, I have written to you. And then he says it again, I have written to you. Had John written another epistle to these brethren? We don't know. Is there speculation that he did? Maybe. But whether that's the case or whether that's not, look at what this means. I write to you and I have written to you what? The same thing. Unchanging conviction. My mind is made up. 
I'm consistent in what I'm about to tell you. Remember what we have as Christians and don't lose focus. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Isn't that true? Why do we say things repetitively? Why do we say things that we know so well so we can remember and stay encouraged? So many times we take that truth for granted. And we say, you know what, Matt, I'm about to check out on you, my brother, because I've heard that a million times. Boy, you say the same thing every time. If we want to be successful as Christians, these truths have to be molded and worked and framed and put and stuck up and all around us. Because if we forget it, we'll stray. Didn't we just read it in Proverbs class, brethren? We just read it. If you stray from the instruction, if you quit listening to it, you will go away from the truth. Let's look at this. What does John write? Verse 12. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. We just sung victory in Jesus. Don't y'all love that song? Isn't that an encouraging song? Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with what? With his redeeming blood. Because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Now think about that. It was prophesied about Jesus and what happened? It came to pass. But think about this scripture. Think about uh, the first point. I'm sorry, I kind of jumped ahead of myself. The first point for us to consider is our sins have been forgiven. But look at Isaiah 53, 5. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. As I'm walking through life, as I'm dealing with situations, as I'm dealing with tough circumstances in my life, maybe my husband or my wife, we're not getting along like we're supposed to. What do I need to remember? That Jesus loves me. And he's allowed me to have a relationship with him. He's allowed me to be healed by his stripes. So not only was it prophesied about him, but he said it would happen, and we just partake of the Lord's Supper. You remember what he says in Matthew 26, 28? He says, this is my blood of the new covenant. Well, what is this new covenant? What is this blood for? This blood, it's going to be shed for many, for the remission of sins. Brethren, that is a big deal. That is a big deal for us because without the shedding blood of Jesus Christ, we don't make it. We don't be reconciled to God. We don't have any type of relationship with him, and therefore we stand in a place that is pretty scary. But, oh, Jesus, how blessed you are. If you would, turn with me to your, in your Bibles. Hold your hands there to Hebrews chapter 10. And I want us to look at a scripture couple of scriptures, actually. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 12 through 18. And I want us to just think about this 
What should motivate us? What should move us? What should make us be the Christians that we ought to be? To know that this man did something for us. Look at verse 12. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnessed to him. For after he had uh, said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts. And in their minds, I will write them. And verse 17 is so awesome. Because it says, then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Think about that. Jesus died for us. Jesus allowed us to become what is called the sanctified, the set apart, the ones who are the holy ones. Doesn't that feel awesome? Hey, you're not a loser. You're a winner. You're the one who's sanctified. You're the one who's set apart. God set you apart to be a special type of person. Are you about that business? Are you about that life? Does that motivate you? That your leader would lay down his life for you? Does it change the way you act or your attitude towards others? You remember we just came off of the passage in 1 John. The last lesson that I spoke on was loving your brother. Hey, is that what we're doing? Or do we have hate in our heart? Do we have hate for our brothers and sisters? Let's move on. The first thing to consider was that our sins have been forgiven. But does this motivate you by any chance that we have come to know God? God Almighty. The powerful one. The one who has all authority. Look at what the verse says in verse 13. It says, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. Mature Christians, because you have known him who is from the beginning. Look at what else. Look at verse 14. I've written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. Again, mature Christians, ones who have probably heard it way more than anybody else, You are blessed, and I write to you to encourage you, to motivate you, because you have known him who is from the beginning. You should know better. You should be leading the example. But what does that do when we know God? What does that do when we understand that we have known him who is from the beginning? Doesn't it cause peace in our life? Don't you have a certain a peace in your life because you're a child of God? You remember what Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 2. He says, grace and peace be what? Multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace be multiplied to you when you know God. 
You know, you think about this truth, and I want to take us back to Daniel, way before Jesus is around. But you think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember the king Nebuchadnezzar builds this tall, tall statue. Y'all are studying it in Bible Bowl. And what happens is they want them, the king wants everybody to bow down and to worship this statue. But what does Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say? He says, if anybody doesn't bow down and worship this statue, I'm going to put you in a fiery furnace. That'd be pretty scary probably. But here's what they say. If that's the case, if that's the case that you're going to put us in a fiery furnace, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Brethren, let me ask you something right now. Do you believe that your God will deliver you from the fiery furnace? Now, that's real talk. Because if you believe that, then you are changing people's lives by the way you talk to them. If you believe that, you are changing and affecting things around you because you don't want sin in your presence. You don't want anything that's going to be contrary to God's word around you. But look at what he says. They say, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, but if he doesn't, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. If he doesn't save us, then God's got a better way. And in that I have peace. The peace that passes all understanding. Because I know he loves me and he cares for me. Today, if you had to be honest with yourself, is that where you're at? Or does it even matter? I've checked my box this morning. I'm good to go till next week. You want to know how you change your life? You want to know how you become a better and better? You want to know how you continue to measure up to the fullness of Christ? You dedicate your life day and night to being his slave. I'm going to do everything you tell me to, Lord. I'm going to be the best Christian that I can be. I'm going to talk to my brethren. I'm going to encourage them, even though they talk bad about me. It doesn't matter because I'm going to be bigger than that. I'm going to change the atmosphere because I love you so much. I'm not doing it because I want to shine brighter than anybody. I'm doing it because I love you. And it doesn't matter if you deliver me or not because I know all things work together for the good. Because I love you. And I serve you. But not only does it cause peace, it causes growth. Think about what Paul prays for. He says, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to ask that, look at what he asked for. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. How do I know God's will? I got to get in his word. I got to know what he tells me to do. And here Paul is praying that they will be filled with the knowledge of his will. Be honest. How much Bible time have you spent last week in the Word? How much studying have you done? I know we're busy. We all got stuff going on. Have we sat down and spent some time in the Word? Have we sat down and dedicated ourselves to be studying stuff? 
Paul's praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Do we know God? Does that motivate us? I'm not following some man's ideas, and I'm glad that you guys ain't following what I do because I'll blow it for you. I'll just admit it. (laughs) I mean, I'll try to lead you the best way I know how, but I'll end up blowing it, making somebody mad, hurting your feelings, and I'm sorry. If I've hurt your feelings, if I've made you mad, I apologize. But I'm just a man. But God ain't. He's the Almighty. He's the creator of all things. He made trees i still can't get over that he told the ocean to stop and it'd go back doesn't it still do that today (laughs) he said it in the word and it still does it that guy is somebody i want to follow he knows how to do some stuff don't he put the world just hanging When we learn to know him better, if you, if you don't get anything else out of the lesson, here it is. As we learn to know him better and begin to see his unlimited power, and this is a huge word for me, so be proud of me, brethren. You remember you're on this journey with me. Here it is. When we begin to see his unlimited power coupled with his undying love, we learn to relax in him. Just like a little child rests peacefully in their father's arms. Huh? I love it when Libby comes, when she's dead tired, ready to go to sleep. She comes right to my arms. And it don't take long and she's passed out. Are we that way with the Lord? Do we, have we fully submitted to know that what he says is absolutely right and I'm not going to be willing to do anything else except exactly what he tells me to do? Does that motivate us? If that does, then Psalm 28, 7 becomes really reality. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I'm helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song, I will praise him. The last thing to consider this morning is we've been forgiven of our sins. If that doesn't motivate you, I I mean, I don't even know. I, I so appreciate the Lord forgiving me of my sins. I so appreciate it. And the second thing, to know that we know God and he guides us to be perfect. He guides us in the way that we should go. And it's not some ulterior motive. It's really to help us and make us be better. Well, what about this one? We have overcome Satan. Think about what he says in verse 13. He says, I write to you, young men, Because you have overcome the wicked one. And then he says it again in verse 14. 
I have written to you, young men, and he adds a little something else. Because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. That word strong there, it means mighty. It means powerful. Brethren, in Christ, you're not only a winner, but you are powerful. You are mighty. If God's word abides in you, why in the world would we miss the opportunity to be strong? I want to be strong. I want to be like Mark Triplett, man. Y'all seen dude's arms lately? I already talked about this. I'm bringing it back up. I want that right there. I want my suit to be too tight where I got to get another one. Not because I've gained too much weight, but because I've been working out. A little laugh. I mean, come on. But you want to know how I can be strong? You want to know? That motivates me, doesn't it? Doesn't it motivate you to think that you could be strong? You can if God's word abides in you. See, look at what he says, and he says it to the young men, the ones who are maturing in Christ. He says, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you. He says you are strong because the word of God does abide in you. He's giving them a compliment. He's trying to get them to remember. And I'm not up here saying that none of us are studying God's word. If you are studying God's word, you are strong in the Lord. But then James 4, 7 becomes really powerful because it says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and what happens? He's a scaredy cat. He'll flee from you. Do we submit? Are we submitting to God's control? Are we submitting or putting ourselves into subjection to what God says only? No justifying, no changing, only what God says. Is that what we're about? Because if that's what we're about, we're going to resist the devil. We're going to stay away from those temptations. We're not going to allow him to grab a hold of our lives and allow us to do things that we shouldn't do. Not only to the world, but to each other. The ones who, I need y'all. I need you guys. The world's going to tell me some good quotes. The world is going to tell me some encouraging things, and then they're just going to leave me to be. But I know you guys aren't, are you? If I'm struggling and if I'm in need and I come to you, what are you going to do? You're going to help me out. Hey, I need some money, man. I'm struggling. I'm going to get some money, ain't I? Hey, I need some food. I'm hungry. You're going to feed me, ain't you? We need each other. And we need to be there for each other. But we can't do it the right way if we're not fixing our minds where they need to be. If we don't stay motivated, we lose out on so many opportunities. We become so distracted on the negative that we never see the positive. God is working in this congregation. God is doing big things in this congregation. I want to encourage the elders. I want to encourage the deacons. I want to encourage the members. Get on it and let's do it. Because with God, all things are possible. Be strong. Satan ain't got nothing on us. 
You want to know how I know that? Because of what the Bible says. The devil who deceived them. Could Satan repent and get his life right? No, he can't. Because the Bible doesn't say so. The Bible says he who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Why you want to listen to a loser? He don't win. He wants to trick you. He wants to deceive you because he knows where he's going. Be a winner. Be strong. Understand that your sins have been forgiven. Understand that you know God. You can walk just like him and know that Satan ain't got a chance with us. Satan ain't got a chance. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. Maybe you're here today and some things aren't going the way that they're supposed to in your life. Maybe you need some prayers. Maybe you need some encouragement. Maybe you're here today and and you just want somebody to hug you and love on you, pray for you. You can do it right now as we stand and as we sing. But maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Please hear my voice as Jesus pleading through me. Be reconciled to God. He made Jesus the one who knew no sin, to become sin so that you might be the righteousness of God. Why would you not want that to be a part of you? Jesus said that he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Have your sins washed away, added to the body of Christ. Begin in this journey to remember these things that we just talked about. If you need to obey the gospel, if you need to become a child of God, please Don't wait. You may not have another chance, but you can do it right now as together we stand and as we sing. Jesus is calling, calling.